Enjoy this flyover clip. Then it says, verse 31, and he will send out his angels, a large trumpet call, gathers elect from the four winds from one end to the other. Many people say, well, that's, that's obviously the rapture, right? But he says, you know, learn, learn a lesson from the fig tree. And then he goes, um, let, me, let me jump down. Well, first of all, the, he will send out his angels. There, there are different interpretations of this passage, and, uh, and I'm open to others who are even within my predator's viewpoint. But right now, as I see this, it, it, it makes sense that he will send out his angels. First of all, the word angels, we already know, means messengers. It, and sometimes Christians are concerned mes- considered messengers, right? So it doesn't necessarily mean these are supernatural beings. A loud trumpet call, gather his elect from the four winds. Um, when, when G- first of all, understanding this historically and theologically, when Jesus uh, destroyed the temple, and that was the final public confirmation of the, the new covenant kingdom. What happened after that? The, the Christians ex- escaped the city. Jews got murdered and put into slavery, but Christians escaped. What happened after that? The gospel started spreading, right? Didn't it? I mean, yeah. af- shortly after that, it spread to all the earth to, to where it became the dominant form or, or the dominant religion, right? So, uh, I understand this as being he sent out his angels, messengers, his Christians with a loud trumpet call. That's a spiritual expression. It doesn't be literal. To gather his elect from the four, four winds. The elect are God's chosen people. Who are those? The people who believe in him. So the Christians go out and preach the gospel message and God pulls in his elect into the kingdom of God. Um, why? Because that old covenant is completely gone and the new covenant kingdom is here and the old covenant powers are judged and gone and now men can now come into God's kingdom. That's how I understand that passage. Um, now, there are, like I said, there are different ways of interpreting that. But another, uh, another component of that rapture interpretation is a few verses down where it says, and I think I'll finish with this. It says, uh, verse, uh, chapter 24, verse uh, 40. You know, they talk about how, um, or actually before that, it would be, be like the coming of the Son of Man. And in those days, uh, verse 36 the coming of the hour no one knows, like the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, giving until Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Is that the rapture? Well, who did he take and swept away in the flood? Not God's people. <laughs> right. He, take, he, he killed... He, took away and you know uh the you know the godless right um and he did save noah in the ark but people will say well that's you know uh that's that the, that's like the people being raptured but the verse says the ones who were swept them all away what he's likening it to are the ones in judgment and then the very next verse confirms that interpretation the swept the taken away is not taken away god's people but taken away those to judge because verse 40 very next verse Two men will be in the field, one will be taken, one left. The woman will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, and one one left. Um, and people will say, well, yes, yeah, see, that's it. People are in the field, and it's the rapture, like we see in all the movies. They disappear, and their clothes remain. No, that's not at all what it's saying. This has Old Testament precedent. Remember the stuff I've said about when the first temple was destroyed, Jesus used this is the same language to talk about the second temple being destroyed. Well, guess what happened? The same language was used when this first temple was destroyed. In Jeremiah 6, 11, Therefore I am full of wrath of the Lord, of Yahweh. This is Yahweh 
talking, prophesying about the destruction of Jerusalem in 586. I am weary of holding it in. Before hold, I pour it, I'm sorry, pour it out upon the children in the street and the gatherings of young men, both husband and wife shall be taken. The elderly and the very aged, their houses shall be turned over, their fields and wives together. For I will stretch out my hand against the inhabitants of the land of Israel, declares the Lord. So the same description was, and what happened in 586 BC, they came and they plucked some people and left others, right? But what did they do with the people they plucked? They brought them to Babylon into judgment. So God is using the same language of one being left and one being taken. The one being taken is being judged, <laughs> not the one being left. The one being taken was judged. So and Jeremiah 6, 11 is talking about uh, Nebuchadnezzar coming and, and destroying the temple yes. in 586. Yes. So he stopped and referencing that, that one. Okay. Exactly. And, and the same language, Jesus is using the same language. So the people who are taken away are judged. They're not brought to heaven. They're brought to judgment. And that's what Jesus is saying here. And that's what happened, right? When Roman armies came, they killed a million and they took a bunch of them and brought them into slavery. They left some mm-hmm. and they killed and they killed most and then, and then uh, judged most of them. So that's not the rapture. That's the description of that first century. That's a, you know, and of course it goes on. There's a lot, a lot more to say and such. And, um, but hopefully this was a, uh, let, let's put it this way, a, uh, there's, there's so much more about all of this, but at least hopefully it was a thorough enough summary of this preterist understanding of the first century fulfillment of the last days such that you people who, who this is new to can at least start to say, okay, if even I don't agree with it, it makes more sense now. And I can see that there, the view is based on the Bible. It's not arbitrary, right. you know? And it, uh, in fact, I would argue it's based more on the Bible than futurists. When futurists say this hasn't happened yet, they have to come up with imaginative interpretations of how it's going to be interpreted in our future. So they're making stuff up. But everything I have to show, everything from scripture and from history it's a lot harder task, but, but I've done that, which shows you I'm basing it on the Bible and, and what's been happening in history, but future scenarios necessarily must just make things up because they don't know if, if it's fulfilled, when it's going to be fulfilled or not. Yeah. You're referencing, so, you know, maybe close to a dozen books of the old Testament yeah. to establish this point, which I think, yeah. And that, by the way, that's the thing valid. that really convinced me. It was the scripture that convinced me, that sola scriptura, that, you know, because I everything that I've been critiquing, I, I thought the same way. Come on, surely the gospel hasn't reached the whole world. But then I, when I would see these things in the Bible saying that, it's like, oh, I, I didn't realize that. Well, then I must accept it. I must accept it, you know? And so uh, hopefully this has that force of, I'm at least making my arguments from scripture and it's clearly based on Old Testament precedent, not something I'm making up to 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 spin it from my view. So so without getting into the whole Revelation series, what can you do for those that are just sitting there like like uh, you, you, their dad brought him a puppy. They got to have it for about a week and then he's going to take it back to the pet store. <laughs> like, like, what are you going to do? What do you what do you have for them? Oh, right. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. So I remember when I, when I came to that realization, I did feel like, wow, my hope was, was gone. I'm like, if this already happened, I was looking forward to that. Yeah. And now I, I felt like it was a big hole and it was, and it was, and it felt scary. 
Uh, but I realized soon as I studied it more, I realized two things. Number one, um, there, there are still preterist views that will argue this is not about the second coming, but there still is a future second coming. So number one, you don't have to give up your hope in a future second coming. But even apart from that, the futuristic views, you know, now most, now there are different varieties of the rapture, right? But, you know, the dominant view is the pre-tribulation, you know, we're going to be raptured away so we don't have to experience the, you know, the wrath of God on earth, right? So it's very much escapist. So really your hope was not in the second coming of Christ. Your hope was in the rapture. Because even those who believe the mid-tribulation rapture, that's not the second coming. Even those who believe in the post-tribulation rapture, that's not the second coming, right? So your hope has never been in the, the second coming. Your hope has been the rapture to be taken away. And... um and I'm very clear, I would very clearly say, yeah, well, there, there is no rapture in our future um, connected to a rise of an antichrist, all that kind of stuff. So realize this, your hope should never have been in a rapture. That's the bottom line. Yeah. Your hope, your hope is in Christ and his redemption that you have won and attained so that when you die, you will be with him. That's what your hope is. And, um, that's what the hope should always be. But secondly, uh, oh, and so, so if your hope is a false hope, it's good that you should feel empty and scared because <laughs> a false hope is not good. It creates all these scenarios of people. Well, let's just let the world go to hell in a handbasket because I'm going to get raptured. You know, why should we bother fighting in these things like abortion and trans ideology? You're you just trying to things. clean up the world. Yeah. You're just going to, you're just trying to clean up something. It's, the Antichrist is going to take power soon. We're going to be raptured soon. Um, it, it really means you have to get about the work of the God's kingdom, which means applying his word to your culture. Now, this is where uh, um, it, it has a, the hope becomes a more positive, victorious view of God's kingdom. Because if you think, of, think about this, if you're expecting that, that the Antichrist is going to come and we're going to be raptured out of it, then you're, you're basically believing in an escape um, and you're believing that the, the church will be f a failure on earth, right? We're going to have to be rescued out of a failure. Well, it's um, only gets worse and worse and worse. We're more and more compromised. We're less and yeah. less effective until yes. you know, you're on a corner eventually and then eventually, right? Uh, you know, uh, yeah, no, I, and I realize, I realize some people say, well, yeah, but th if that's what God says, well, then that's, that's the truth. Uh, okay. I realize that, but, but think about it from a different perspective and realize it's a negative view of the um it's a negative view of the kingdom of god it's a failure the church fails and yeah jesus rescues us but the church fails in earth but here's the thing i would argue the bible has a complete different picture throughout all of the texts that it's not a failure it's a, it's it's a successful kingdom on earth i'm not saying that you know everyone gets saved and it's all heaven on earth because there's still sin so it's not perfect but what i'm saying is what do the scriptures say scripture is the authority and you go back, Daniel, Daniel 2. Um, what does he say? The, the, the description of, he, he describes Nebuchadnezzar's dream and he, and he explains it all. The four things of the, four medals of the statue of the four kingdoms to come. And it matched history, didn't it? Babylon, Babylon Medo-Persians, Greece, and then ultimately Rome in the first century. And what does he say? In that, in the, in the days of those kings of the fourth, the fourth kingdom of Rome, ancient Rome, he says that the um, the Messiah will come, the rock cut without hands, it will hit the stone and crush all that 
that rule of Gentile kingdoms over God's people, right? And Messiah came in the first century. So uh, what does it say? Uh, uh, the, the stone that comes without hands. In, in Daniel 2.44, in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will, this is the stone he's talking about, God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever, just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no hand and broke into pieces the iron. Now, many Christians say, well, yeah, but that's in the future, that's in the future. No, no, no. That's the first century. It happened in, Jesus came in, in Rome, in the times of Rome. Now, they try to, you know, add thousands of years into, into the prophecy that aren't there to try to make, make it a new Rome, a new constitutive Rome. But, but if you just read the text of mm -hmm. Daniel, it's very clear. No, no, it's the ancient Rome that comes after uh, Greece. And that happened. And Messiah came. So it's not about a second coming. That's the first coming. He sets up his kingdom and it will be victorious. It will be, this is what God says. I'm not saying this because I'm a, some kind of a, whatever, a, a, a positive thinking guy or something. I, I don't like how <laughs> negative, I do think the world's pretty negative, you know, but are we going to believe God's word? Or are we going to believe what we think our little myopic little world is? Yeah, it's pretty bad for us now, but the world's a lot bigger than this. If you pull back, there was a time in history when it looked like the whole world was going to blow up during World War II, didn't it? Yeah. Like the, Jesus is coming. He's going to rescue us, right? But you pull back, well, what happened? Well, we won it. We dropped the bomb. We got good one and and was and conquered evil and so you can't look at our little thing of history you've got to pull back and say history is a roller coaster of ups and downs but if you pull back you see the general progression is god's kingdom shall grow to be a mountain to fill the whole earth that's what daniel says uh where was that um there it is daniel 2 verse 35 the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth so it doesn't do it in the future. It does it when Messiah comes, but it grows. It's progressive. It's incremental. It might take thousands of years, but the point is, is it's victorious kingdom. And then later in Daniel 7, you know, it describes about his, uh, you know, the ancient of days and son of man comes before a stone. That's the ascension. And that's his ascension as king. And it says the same thing that the, uh, he was given dominion and glory and kingdom. That's Jesus been given kingdom in the first century that all people should serve him. Yeah, it, it, not right away, but it, it progressively grows. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. Well, shall not pass away. His kingdom shall not be destroyed. That's now. That's not in the future. God's kingdom will not be destroyed now. It will be victorious. Jesus said that the kingdom of God is like a seed. It starts out the smallest in the, king, smallest in the garden, but it grows to become the biggest tree in the garden. It starts like a small little bit of leaven in a lump of dough, but it leavens the whole lump. That's historical, but it's That's progressive. Kidding. It's incremental. And so when people say, oh, yeah, but look how, you know, you're crazy. If you look at how bad the world is and you're saying you're saying it's 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 getting better. It's like <laughs> you're being myopic. You're looking at our own uh personal experience and you're thinking that that's for all the whole world and you're not seeing God is at work in his kingdom. What happens when his people are persecuted? Oftentimes the church grows out of that and it grows more victorious and there will be ups and downs in history. So I'm not saying, you know, we're not there yet by any means, you know, but to sit there and look at, at, at this only the, our one little moment and think things are getting worse when things now, even as bad as they are, are still a hundred times better than they were in the first century. So, mm -hmm. 
you've got to you've got to see the big picture of history and try to understand it and and yeah. take God's word at at what it says, not what we feel and think we see in our world. By the way, that gives us the motivation to fight all the evil that is trying to take over our culture. We shouldn't sit back and wait for a rapture. We should go out and we should we should completely get rid of trans ideology from all teaching. We should uh, save infants from being aborted. We should fight the sex trafficking and, and save, rescue this, the, the, the innocents, right? We should go out and do that because that's what makes the world better. As, as we are discipled to obey Christ, we apply his obedience into our lives and to our culture, and that's how we affect the culture. Are you having a hard time sleeping at night thinking, what am I going to do about my finances? You know, times are really changing. They're changing fast. Let me give you a quick example of how. In 1920, if you had a $20 bill and one ounce of gold, you could go into any men's clothing store and buy an entire suit. Wow. The, the jacket, the shirt, the belt, shoes, the whole bit. Today, that $20 bill, what's it going to get you? Not much. Maybe the socks, maybe a <laughs> handkerchief, but the one ounce of gold could still buy you the entire suit at any men's store in America. That's the difference. That's what inflation does to your dollar. It's a deflating dollar caused by inflation. Now, today, that's happening faster than ever. You need somebody that you trust that can help get you out of a fake currency and into something that's going to keep you safe. And we know a guy that has two PhDs by the name of Dr. Dr. Kirk Elliott. We have known him for over 25 years, and he's someone we completely trust. You need somebody that you can get a hold of, somebody that's going to be there for you to get back out of it, and then maybe back into the stock market, maybe back into something else when things settle down. But right now is not that time. You need somebody that you trust and somebody you can call and make those worries go away. That's exactly right. So you can go to flyovergold.com, fill out your information for your free consultation, or you can call 720-605-3900. Do it today. You'll be glad you did. Looks like you've been sleeping well. Megan, he's back. The my pillow guy. And you're looking good. I'm still feeling good. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, we've got the best pillow ever, my pillow 2.0. When I invented my pillow, it had everything you'd ever want in a pillow. Well, now there's new technology that makes it even better. My pillow 2.0 has my patented fill combined with a cooling fabric with temperature regulating thread. My pillow 2.0 is truly the next generation of my pillow. The best sleep just got even better. Whether you have a my pillow or not, you need to get the brand new my pillow 2.0. Call or go to mypillow.com now. Use your promo code and for a limited time when you buy one, you'll get a second one absolutely free. You're sleeping even better. And cooler, too. And you're looking good. Feeling good. I knew you would. Visit MyPillow.com. For more great content, go to flyoverconservatives.com. 